Hello, welcome to Love, Food, Hate, Money, the show where we're going to talk about food and we'll prove it by not having any money left over. I'm going to be one of your hosts, Jonah. This is co-host Courtney. Hey. And we will jump into the drink of the day. Um, This drink is uh, a gift that we got from Mr. Drew Anderson. Um, One thing that we didn't talk to him much about is that he's a pretty avid tea drinker. He got us this tea, I think from a trip to Tucson, if I remember correctly. Um, but, and this is a Chinese name, so I'm gonna mispronounce it. Um, Ba Xian, which is Ada Morrill's Rock Wulan tea. Um, he gave this to us a long time ago. Fails. And, and I put it away <laughs> for safekeeping. And by that, I mean, I hid it from myself and it resurfaced recently. So we bought a little loose leaf tea brewer and that's what we're drinking. It's really good. I, for as old as it is, I would think it would almost have more like musty. I think that's more or less the purpose of tea in general is that that, that drying process sort of preserves it. Yeah. Which there is I, a freshness window still, but I think yeah you can get away with it much more than you can get away with coffee. Yeah, it's it's not. You don't have to worry about the oxygen destroying it nearly as much as with like a coffee where it kind of will go past its prime and then some real quickly because this is again old sorry drew long 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 time but appreciated (laughs) (laughs) it is really good it's subtle i like um i was gonna say oolong but it says oolong i'm not sure i like this style (laughs) of tea yeah um it's a little bit herbal but sort of has like a natural sweetness to it that's really pleasant yeah, I, I find that I like most hot tea, but I just don't get to drink it as often as I would like, especially the nice stuff. Like, obviously, if you've listened to a few episodes, you'll hear that we drink uh, private select fancy ass tea the bags. Select tea from fries. <laughs> um, every so often. Very private. But actually getting to like sit down and enjoy real tea is yeah. really fun. It's a good experience. It's I think it's nice as well because so there's a sort of like zen state of like making it where you just, yep, bring up the water, let it steep, pour it, don't drink the dregs. <laughs> we started watching Outlander in the first episode. She reads the tea leaves for the main character. Are you going to read the tea leaves for me? Yeah, that'll be the the <laughs> highlight at the end of <laughs> the Patreon content that we we're teasing is me being a witch. <laughs> No, we do have a witch that's going to be on our podcast here very soon. So yes, we should have asked Angel to read some tea leaves for us. That, it was a missed opportunity. She probably did curse us, though. So we have that to look forward she to. She put a spell on us. <laughs> <laughs> so this just in breaking news hour. Oh, no. <laughs> breaking news half hour. Yeah. All the news that's relevant to us today. So we're back in the newsroom. Um, We really, really enjoy reading articles uh, about food, whether that be news stories, whether that be here's the latest, greatest fad. Um, If you listen to our other newsroom episode, um, we like the comedy of it. So many good headlines. Um, So the first one I have for you today um, a study finds link between belief in food safety myths and illness. Oh, I scrolled by that article and I thought that sounds a little bit too QAnon-y. <laughs> that one, uh, without actually reading it, I imagine it's just like, yeah, the placebo effect is real. 
So this is from foodsafetynews.com. And for all of our food safety. Yeah, for our food Goodness. safety news. And what this article is talking about is that many people in the UK, Germany, and Norway believe in food safety myths. Um, but these beliefs also cause them to be at a higher risk for foodborne illness. Like what myths? Specifically, they believe that vegetarians don't get food poisoning. Mm. They apparently have <laughs> not been to a U.S. Chipotle. <laughs> Because the E. coli outbreaks out here are ravenous. We, we, I think we mentioned that last week um, when we were talking about Arizona farms. Um, e. coli is a big issue with romaine lettuce specifically. Um, so I think that's really funny. Um, white or brown rice? Shit or no shit lettuce? Uh, this article which came out today, it says, The largest links were observed for beliefs about eggs, such as storing them at room temperature and eating raw eggs to cure hangovers. Raw eggs to cure hangovers is a good one. That's... Using wooden cutting boards. What's the myth on that one? Just that it harbors bacteria? They just aren't cleaning them properly. Oh, you should probably clean any cutting board. Which we were just talking to a friend who was who didn't realize that, like, because they had grown up using wooden cutting boards, that cutting meat on a wooden cutting board is actually a big no-no. Yeah, it's, it's I mean... If you... You're not high chance likely to die, but you might get sick more often than others. Right. Especially um, if you don't clean it right. Uh, there's also the belief that uh, chili wasabi and marinades kill bacteria. Ooh. Um, <laughs> that person's like, hurts my nose. It's kind of hurt those, hurts the microbes. And then also the, the belief that eating dirt and having diarrhea is good. It cleans out the stomach. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you've ever had diarrhea, you probably don't agree with that. I mean, I, I guess I've had diarrhea before and <laughs> felt cleared out but i don't that's more of just like a i've never thought this is good for my stomach like this is this, this is good for right. me <laughs> as you leak water and then the water leaks back you're like oh god no i'm so i thought that was a super interesting article um obviously i'll link so it people that believe though that all of People that believe that stuff is real are more likely than people that believe all that stuff is fake. So the people who believe all those things are more susceptible to foodborne illness. Yes, if if you do believe that eating shit is good for you. <laughs> no, eating dirt. Then, yeah, that's that same, same. I, uh, the, <laughs> I think my dad used to, like, go out and eat dirt chips and stuff like that. Like, there's a bunch of kids in Arizona that would, like, eat dirt chips. For their because like, they're salty like that's a real that's disgusting that's a real thing um and that i oof, i just can't imagine thinking that all that stuff it, it, like oh yeah don't worry about your cutting board or cleaning it i'll just rub some mud on it that's gonna be good for you and then they end up sick and they're like this is crazy god <laughs> must really hate me um it also goes on to talk about um 15% of respondents, I believe they um, questioned 3,000 people, um, agreed that the best hangover breakfast is a raw egg. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. That uh, sounds awful. Um, a fifth of the respondents believe that eggs stored in the refrigerator are less safe than those kept at room temperature. Oh, that's weird. Um, which I do know that that's sometimes more of a cultural thing i think especially for people who raise animals like keeping your eggs at room temperature is not really a big deal um but over time like the fridge can help prevent bacteria growth but well, that's with the thing like i what do you think the refrigerator is doing to the egg <laughs> but the thing with eggs is they can be contaminated at laying so 
it's kind of a hit or miss. Like you really just don't know. Um, the, the last paragraph in this article is pretty funny to me. Um, future studies needed to investigate why beliefs in food safety myths correlate with gastroenteritis incidence and prevalence. I, I feel like that study just going to be like, yeah, if you're dumb, <laughs> dumb things will happen to you. Like if you don't believe in food safety 101 and you're like, this is big this is big refrigerator trying to trick us into refrigerating our <laughs> eggs. refrigerator. <laughs> like, I can't trust them. They just want me to buy a refrigerator that has room for my eggs and my Diet Coke. Absolutely not. No, it's going to, my Diet Coke is going to contaminate my eggs and it's going to be a problem. If that, if I, oh my gosh. Dumb is as dumb does. So our next article, you actually sent me this last night and you had a good laugh over it. Um, <laughs> this is <Trigger> from <laughs> fortune.com. Uh, this was published yesterday as a recording. So today is uh, the 22nd of September. So this was yesterday. Do you remember the 21st? That was, yeah, yeah. It's September. when this article came out. <laughs> I will because it was the, the headline the is Beyond Meat COO suspended for biting man's nose after college football game. <laughs> so, in case you didn't know, um, Beyond Meat is skip animals, eat human flesh, eat the nose off of your <laughs> enemies. Um, did you read this article? Um, just that he worked for Tyson and he's been arrested multiple times and. Beyond me is losing money. Like it's it's a Fortune dot com article, so it's by Daniela it's more business Sertor, article Cortina, than anything. Dina Schenker and Bloomberg, just Bloomberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the it it doesn't really say too much other than the fact that he. Oh, I disagree. It says plenty. It says uh, Ramsey got out of his car and punched through the back windshield of a Subaru. How strong is he? First of all, that's terrifying. That's true. Um, Then it says he bit the owner's nose, ripping the flesh on the tip and threatened to kill the other man. Which like this man is a menace to society. You have to believe that threat when you're missing the tip of your nose. (laughs) (laughs) Like If someone yells out at you loud enough while the. If someone yells at me after they punch through the back, punch through, like if you punch through a windshield, I believe that you have the will to kill. <laughs> but if you've already bit the tip of my nose off, you don't have to tell me that. No, you're I be- I am afraid me. for my life. Also, just the intimacy of that act of putting your face. I can't imagine getting my. <laughs> Like he's punching me and then just like reaches in for the for the kill and just well, like bites the. T- for a second, are logistics. you worried that he's gonna kiss you? Like, is that your first concern? And then too much passion. <laughs> Less um, food related, more than the fact that if you are wondering what is beyond meat, it's just the tip. <laughs> well, you know, I think this is a really good opportunity to say, you know, just because people who choose to not eat animals. Um, claim to be nonviolent. That is not always true. I mean, he, to be fair, he doesn't necessarily claim anything. He just makes the money off of the people claiming it. That's fair. I like the idea, though, that he's like, I don't eat animals because they're pure individuals and they are like uh, they're docile. But this person like allegedly like got close to rear ending him and he was like, this person's a menace. I will happily eat them. <laughs> No holds barred. No holds barred. Um, our next 
article is sweeping the internet. Um, this was originally, I saw this because Chef Gwen posted it on her Instagram story, and then I did some digging. And then I posted a poll on like our Instagram, and all of our friends think you're an idiot. Well, I'm just open to trying new things. <laughs> like eating dirt. <laughs> um, this is an eater article. Um, from today, September 22nd, it says, we're always falling for fake food stunts. NyQuil chicken proves one of the worst collective online tendencies. Which is just wild to me. I also enjoy that the FDA has to come out every time one of these TikTok food trends goes <laughs> up. Like, please don't be stupid. Please, please, please don't eat the Tide Pods. Please don't. Please don't kiss your pet chicken. Please, I'm kissing the chickens. <laughs> Good times. So, yeah, the FDA had to come out this week and basically say, hey, um, just because somebody else on TikTok cooked chicken and NyQuil as a joke doesn't mean you should try it and or consume it. Um, I'm shocked that this needs to be said, but unfortunately, uh, that's just the times we live in. Um, I believe you read into this article a little bit more. Then I have, what were they saying was like the reason um, that it was so dangerous? Uh, the thing that makes it dangerous is boiling medicine in general. It releases fumes and it can change the actual, like it concentrates the medicine um, as if you were reducing any good stock. Um, <laughs> if you reduce your NyQuil far enough and you get Demi NyQuil, um, <laughs> you're going to be sl- sleeping twice as long. NyQuil Demi, that's good. Um Oh my gosh, it's just, and the other thing, yeah, the noxious fumes off of just. (laughs) Isn't there a dangerous, like, drug that uses cold medicine? Like, you cook it down and it turns into, like, I don't know anything about drugs, but, like, meth or something? Like, isn't that? (laughs) I don't know. Um, I'm sure that you could cook. Let me just look up some recipes and we'll get back to you on that. Look up some meth recipes (laughs) real fast. And just let me put my phone in incognito mode. (laughs) Like this, no one will know. Uh, But yeah, that's that's a thing. It's funny because I'm going through the article. Apparently, some of the first like appearances of the Nyquil chicken was back in 2017. Oh, so even like really before yeah, TikTok so blew the up. The Internet Archive of Know Your Meme dates Nyquil chicken to April 1st, 2017, which is obviously April Fool's Day. Um, mm. So that's well, uh, that's the first red flag. And then it went to 4chan. So, naturally. Uh-huh. And then let's see concept. The photos circulate on other platforms. But yeah, it just researched on TikTok and people are Looking for some to eat some sleepy chicken. <laughs> it's a wild world we live in. Um, it's interesting though talking about boiling the cold medicine because one time to prank you, um, I boiled pasta and Powerade, and the smells that came off that were ungodly. So I cannot fathom oh. how bad that smell would be. Yeah, that mixed with chicken juices. The, mm. No, it's it's. <laughs> no no uh anything that color just shouldn't have heat applied to it if it's that shade of blue just let it lie yeah exactly um so the next article um it's another eater article uh, from september 19th this one um i'd like to dedicate to angel um i keep teasing she is we just recorded a really fun um interview with her talking about culinary school Mm -hmm. Um, but this article says liberate me from the tyranny of fall flavors (laughs) not everything has to be (laughs) apple cider or pumpkin spice right now for crying out loud 
disagree. Um, and it's funny because it specifically mentioned something that we bought for Angel, um, which is pumpkin spice goldfish crackers. Which they are goldfish graham crackers, so they're not actual goldfish crackers. But if they did cheesy, <laughs> cheesy, cheesy pumpkin, pumpkin spice. spice dusted, that would have been a special flavor. Um, I personally am not bothered by fall flavored things. I think that the, um, the trend of like weird foods, like spam had, I think did a, like a spiced flavor one year. I think you were just calling spam weird food. Oh, that's hurtful. (laughs) Um, I think cup of noodles did like a spice fall flavor. Yeah. I think that it's really fun. Um, I think that it's not meant to be enjoyed. I think it's a joke. I think it's just a big joke that everybody's in on. I agree. I mean, I enjoy all of it too, but I, I jokes on me, I guess. Uh, all of the fall stuff is, it, it, it's funny. I feel like the fall flavor specifically, warming spices and apple are reserved pretty exclusively for fall. Like, yeah. I don't feel like you're in the middle of summer and you're like, apple pie sounds nice. Well, that's 4th of July, baby. Yeah, but when's the last time you were at a 4th of July and someone had an apple pie out? I don't go to 4th of July parties, so I really can't. That's true. Most of our 4th of July are spent outside the United States, which is Yeah, we've uh, we've been in irony. other countries for like two or three different 4th of Julys. Like 25% so. of the 4th of Julys are not spent in the you United States. You can really tell how patriotic we are. God bless America. Let's leave. <laughs> Um, you found the next article, so I think you should uh, read us the headline. Uh, this was the one you brought up while we were at lunch today. That's true. I just want to go back to the to the pumpkin pie spice stuff, though, because our last shopping trip, we literally bought maple cookies. Those were great. Maple, um, like, shortbread with caramel maple and chocolate. Butter. <laughs> if you know, you know. Jesus. Um, and then the... Yeah, caramel apple mochi. I, mochi ice creams, which were wonderful. Delicious. They're cute little squishy boys of caramel Guys, apple. Yum Target yum. has a whole section of just fall flavored snacks, and it's wonderful. I think that the next evolution is the fall flavored edible underwear. I think that's <laughs> I think that's where we're going, everyone. You've heard it here first. And some pumpkin spice bikini briefs. Target's gonna be like, it look, it's candy. <laughs> At least, at least we're not forced to eat like candy corns. I do want to get everybody's opinion because candy corns are so divisive. Um, I think they taste gross, but the texture is very appealing to me. Courtney grew up eating a lot of candles. <laughs> Just <laughs> so the next article. Next article um, is about chaos cooking. It's coming, and are we ready? <laughs> um, Part Neofusion, part Middle Finger, a new brash food style is changing the face of restaurants. This is another Eater article because all of our... We love Eater. It's They post some really fun stuff. This is an older article. This is from the beginning of September. Yeah, by Jaya Saxena. Saxena. Good work. Um, it basically <laughs> chronicles uh, a lot of different uh, chaos foods. So it's people that are doing brash Food. Food fusion. It's what we talked about. Episode one, guys. We predicted this as a food trend. It is the the (laughs) food trend. Um, But it's it's funny because of the length that this article goes to where it's talking. It it starts off talking about uh, Alex Watanabe doesn't mind that his Mexican Japanese restaurants that's set to open is being called fusion cuisine because it's 
a practical description. Um, it's a representation of his friendship with his co-owner, Marcelo Baez. So Alex is Japanese and his friend is Mexican and they are making dishes that just make sense to them, um, which include barilla ramen, alpastor sushi rolls, sashimi tostadas, and shrimp teriyaki tacos. I'd eat the hell out of all of that. Which, if anyone was to be like, that's, that's wrong and gross, like, yeah, but it's tasty. Um yeah, and it's this whole article just keeps going on and on um, about, you know, new crops of restaurants that are not serving just fusion food, but aggressively weird trolley fusion that's also thoughtful and really tasty. Um, and it goes on to talk about cheeseburger arancini, which arancini are Italian, basically fried rice balls. Um, so it's leftover risotto that's firm enough to roll and then deep fry. Mm-hmm. Big Mac pizza, pastrami tacos, tandoori spaghetti, masala cheese steak, biscuit and gravy pierogi, Cajun red bean and rice nachos, chorizo and queso on popcorn. And that I'd one doesn't work. That. I don't know how you would put chorizo and queso on popcorn without the popcorn just getting like soggy and gross. I would eat it still though. <laughs> and also the popcorn just would be like, it's just a different shape of the corn. You would eat that on a tortilla anyway. Yes. That's true. Uh, what There was one really great quote um, you read so from the, this article to me at lunch that I think is definitely worth noting as well. Yeah, um, it's from Avish Naran, who they talked to uh, in this article from uh, the Pija Palace, which is an Indian sports bar in L.A. And it goes on. It, it's pretty lengthy. I don't want to quote the article quote for quote, but this last it's a direct quote from him. It says diners need to just start understanding that we're cooking our experiences and not our ethnicities. And I thought that was really profound because there's uh, when you're talking about the fusion food and, oh, this is Italian food, but done in a Japanese minimalistic style. Like, that's all very nice as well. But uh, in, in the United States, I feel like it's, you know, call ourselves the melting pot. We have this crazy fusion cuisine, but we have people in our world that are like, OK, you were born in South Korea and adopted by white families, but you're expected to cook Korean food when you're here in the United States. Like... Hi, Donnie. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we just we just talked to him a little bit about that um, the other day. But, yeah, this idea that you have to almost, like, cook your skin tone, in a sense, is um, kind of absurd because that's not necessarily people's experience. Um, so I think it's really fun to see people embrace that. And I think the food that's going to come out of it is just going to be awesome. Right. It's all good food. And it's, at the end of the day, like, you would rather have something that is someone's experience, like their experience is going to be the most authentic thing that they have. So if, yeah, you know, let's use me as an example, a pasty little fast food boy, like you, <laughs> I grew up eating a ton of fast food. So if I, I was going to be authentic in what I was making, it would be super sloppy cheeseburgers and other random fast food items that are, or would be elevated versus like, I don't know, my Scottish heritage. I'm not just going to go around and start slinging haggis because I, hundreds of years ago, I had Scottish ancestors. Like that's not, it doesn't, it's not, I've not had haggis. doesn't track. I'm not going to make it good. Um, And I think something that has really inspired us both recently, we've been watching Street Foods on Netflix. That's what it's called, right? Yeah, Street Foods USA. And then we're going to start Street Foods Asia, which I think was the first one. Yeah. Um, just seeing how people take the ingredients around them and infuse their own traditions and beliefs into what they're cooking is just so inspiring. And I can't recommend that show more. I think it was what, six episodes? The USA one was six episodes. I think there's eight or nine for Asia. 
And it's from the same people that do Chef's Table and all the other, like, it's the same executive producers. and Beautiful footage, great editing, and really awesome storytelling. Yeah, good storytelling. It's really fun to see uh, the people's stories. And, like, it, a lot of the stuff is, again, just this sort of brash fusion where it's, yeah, this is... Like the food that I actually eat, though. So yeah, this is what I would cook at home. Is your your heritage would be what European and Lebanese, like and Syrian, yeah, and Syrian. And well, what's interesting about that is I did grow up eating a lot of traditional foods. So for me, it would be another like weird fusion of like Middle Eastern food and biscuits mm-hmm. and gravy. <laughs> How would that? Ooh, what would we make out of that? What would Middle Eastern biscuits and gravy be? I think you'd have to start with like kibbe or something as like your meat kibbe or like a, a gyro um, biscuits and gravy. I'd be down for that. Would it just all be in like a flatbread? Just gravy flatbreads. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of my favorite things, um, I don't know if the place is still open uh, in Mesa, but they were doing a gyro pizza that was like on a flatbread. Yeah. To die for. It was so good. I wonder if that place is open. We'll have to look into that. Um, my last article for you. Um, oh, there's one more? I thought that was the last no, article. No, I have That's one exciting. more for you. Trigger warning. Um, I'm already triggered. This is your brain on food porn, a new study reveals. This is a Bon Appetit article. Oh, boy. Uh, not Bon Appetit. Condé Nasty. I know. But it's a really interesting article. Um, the byline is, scientists have found that your brain reacts specifically to that extreme cheese pool or a bowl of soup. What's the specific thing? Is it just like like same as an orgasm for real? <laughs> Daddy so, according to this article and a recent study um, from scientists at Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Um, MIT. It's all spelled... I'm reading the article, man. So you're saying you know how to read. I can read sometimes. Um, They found the tiny nerve cells um, that basically respond to food videos um, kind of by accident. So what they're saying is that food-specific neurons live in the visual cortex, part of our brains, that process the information related from the eyes and fire in response to food photos. So, like, we are hardwired to just be like, Yum. I can't look away. That looks so good. Well, yeah, I feel like that's literally any animal. I mean, good for them for studying it, I guess. <laughs> Use those taxpayer dollars. But <laughs> like, have you? I feel like none of these people owned a dog. Like, no kidding, they're hardwired to look at the food. If you show either of our dogs a piece of chicken, like if I say a lot enough, you're going to hear them in the background. Like, that's true. They will get very. Angry if you start talking about chicken too loudly. And Kyrie specifically will like lock onto food and just start drooling like full on Pavlov's dogs. So like yeah, of course we're the visual cortex and food are super related. Like if you know that that thing is yummy, you're immediately like hello. But here's where we get into the specifics. Um, Nitty gritty. A slice of hot, cheesy pizza hits the neurons different. Images of cooked and processed meals elicited stronger brain responses than raw fruits and vegetables. That's a given. That's <laughs> obviously if you show me a gooey pizza or celery, I'm going to have a stronger um, uh, hard on for the pizza, as it were. But it, it gets funnier to me. So then it says... Um, 
and the scientists were able to confirm that edible items specifically arouse the brain activity by pitting similar shaped or colored images against each other, like a banana versus a crescent moon or a chihuahua next to a muffin. <laughs> so if you've ever seen, wait, you've seen these, right? These photos of where it's like oh, fried chicken uh, next to it, golden doodle golden, puppies. Okay, yeah. Okay, or bagels I, next to like, we call, Kyrie used to sleep like a little bagel. Yeah, I mean, she still does sometimes if we put her in that position. So the, <laughs> so the good news is your brain only gets aroused by the food and not the dog that looks like a food. So I guess that's points for humanity. The, the, you think that the Beyond Meats guy saw his, that one person's nose and was like, yummy! I don't even want to guess what was going through that man's mind. I don't think he's okay. I like how they had a, they, the amount of, it's somewhere between like good for them, but also why. Because, like, this, to just show, I imagine at least 100 people were involved. Could you imagine being one of the 100 people involved that was like, here's a picture of a golden doodle. Here's a picture <laughs> of fried chicken. Thank you for your time. And then they're like, I wonder what that was for. And then the MIT comes out and they're like, we've just discovered that people are more likely to salivate when looking at fried chicken than dog heads. And they're like, <laughs> wow. What did we expect that outcome to be? <laughs> Um, this article also says more research will be needed, but the findings more may also is always needed. Yeah, that is the takeaway on any study. But it may also indicate whether a person likes the food they're seeing, how familiar they are with it, or how nutritious or not the food is. Um, so they're really trying to see like what our brains recognize. Um, I think we're much more simple creatures than that, and we just go, "Ooh, yummy!" And I don't think it's deeper than that. I think there has to be a certain degree of familiarity with the food, though, because I don't think that if you don't have the context for gooey cheese dripping off of a pizza, it's going to look different than something else gooey dripping out of your ass. Like that's. <laughs> Thanks for that. Thanks <laughs> for that imagery. Like I, the, I've context 100 percent has to drive a lot of that base instinct because it's the same thing or if you teach a kid that food is good or growth like if you tell kids like uh, broccoli is gross and then you give them broccoli yeah it's gross to them like that's a very much a learned through trial and error or just taught scenario i think study <laughs> further studies are needed further studies are needed we're gonna go round up all of the babies we can find and try to teach them half of them are broccoli are good and half of them that broccoli are bad and we're gonna see if that does anything <laughs> <laughs> the children of Tempe have never been so uh, aggressively approached with broccoli. We're going up to playgrounds like, hey kids, you want to try some broccoli? You want my yummy broccoli? You want my disgusting broccoli, Danny? <laughs> oh God. Um, but that's all I had for you today. Yep. And on, on that note, there's a... <laughs> the, there's a man with a van at the park with broccoli. With broccoli. Let's go see what that's about. It says it's yummy. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Love, Food, Hate, Money. This podcast is edited by John Watkins of Feathered Fiction Studios. He also does our original music. Uh, we are still selling merch. Um, I swear I'm working on the Patreon. Don't ask me about it. It needs so much information. And I have a culinary degree, not an English degree. So bear with me. Um, but she can read the Massachusetts Institute of Technology in its full name, not just the three <laughs> letters that we know by. Um, any other things? Any updates? Uh, connect with us on social media. We're on all of them. We just fixed our YouTube so that it will have 
I think it has everything except episode eight because I've been having issues the with our, episode. our podcast hosting platform, but we're going to get that fixed. And uh, my grandma wants us to start doing video episodes, so I guess we're going to do that. <laughs> Hi, Grandma. You're welcome. Um, yeah, I think that's our episode. Yep. Thanks for everyone involved. Thanks for talking. Nope. <laughs> I guess I can thank you for talking to oh, me. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for talking to me. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, bye. Bye. I made a mess. <laughs>